Welcome into the Daily Illini Sports Podcast. It's Josh Peach and Carson Gordy, joined with Mike Barber of the Richmond Times Dispatch covering the Virginia Cavaliers. Thanks for coming on, Mike. Thanks for having me, guys. So how long have you been uh, covering Virginia and what's the change been like from you know, a guy like Bronco, Bronco Mendenhall then immediately going to a Tony Elliott from Clemson? Yeah, this, this will be my sixth year with UVA. I've been down here in Virginia for 20 years now covering some collection of Virginia, Virginia Tech, uh, some James Madison in there. Uh, you know, the, the change from Tony to Bronco has been interesting because one, Bronco's such a, a different dude, right? Like I've never covered anybody like him and I probably never will cover anybody like him again. So that was different. And the other thing is guys, normally when you have a new coach, it's because something went poorly, <laughs> at least in, at Virginia, right? Um, and, and that's not the case here. Uh, things were going well with Bronco. Uh, you know, the last two years weren't fantastic, but he had built the program back up to where it was a regular bowl participant. Uh, they won a division title a couple of years back. So it was interesting to see how are the fans going to embrace a new coach when he's not taken over a bad program. He's taken over an okay program, so there's some expectations. Uh, I think Tony Elliott's done some nice things off the field uh, in terms of uh, relations with alumni. He's got Chris Slade, Marcus Hagens, and Clint Sintum, who are uh, kind of UVA greats on the staff. That's helped. Uh, I think he's embraced some of the campus and the culture. But, you know, you guys know at the end of the day, Tony Elliott's going to be judged by whether or not he wins. And they want him to win as much or more than Bronco. And, and that's kind of where the bar is. So were you surprised at all that they didn't go with a more defensive head coach? Because Bronco was great, but they gave up a lot of points last year, for example, like the most notable being BYU was at 66 points at their place. So was going with an offensive guy surprising you at all? Or did you like the tire or the higher Tony? I think what Bronco showed them was because he's a defensive guy. It's all about the staff recruiting. Um, you know, Bronco's a defensive guy and he's got this offense that's scoring 42, 44, 48 points every time out. Um, so I don't think that was a major consideration, although they did interview and talk with Anthony Poindexter, uh, who's a co-DC at Penn State and, and another UVA alum. So they had a guy on either side of the ball. But, but at the end of the day, I, I don't think I think that's more of an NFL mindset. Like if your offense stinks, go get an offense guy. College, because you're, you're hoping to, to really build something long-term. I think they were more concerned with getting the right guy on top and then supporting him. You know, he went out and he's got a staff on both sides of the ball that, that you know, is very varied. It's not one of those deals where if you bring in an existing head coach, he's probably going to bring a big chunk of his staff. But because Tony was a coordinator, he ended up with a staff of guys from all over. So I think they addressed some of, the defense in hiring the staff. So last year, the defense, the run defense, you know, that was a big struggle for the Cavaliers, you know, in playing against Illinois, you know, Chase Brown just had 199 yards against Indiana, you know, over hundred yards against Wyoming, you know, what can the Cavaliers do, you know, to kind of slow down Illinois' rushing attack? Yeah. I think if you're Chase Brown and you watch tape of that Richmond opener for Virginia, you're like licking your lips to get to this game, right? I mean, um, you know, Virginia was still not very good in run defense. Now, schematically, they've changed a lot of things with John Rudzinski, the new coordinator. This defense is designed to give up some yards, uh, tighten up in the red zone, and not give up big plays. Against Richmond, they didn't give up any big plays. The longest pass play, I think, was 17 yards. Um, so they were really good in regards of not giving up chunk yardage, and, not, and they were decent in the red zone. 
The problem with that run defense is now you play a bigger, stronger offensive line and you play a more capable running back. So where you were given up more than you wanted, but not devastating runs, do those become devastating runs against Illinois? Now, the mantra we've heard from the Virginia guys is, hey, that was the first time out, you know, really first time with some live tackling in a while. Uh, Josh Ahern, uh, one of their inside linebackers, was suspended for the first half. Their yards per carry number did go down in the second half when Ahern was able to play. Uh, he had a targeting call in the regular season finale last year. So I think if you're Virginia, you're hoping that you're better than you showed against Richmond. Um, if you're a fan, you're probably thinking like, well, you weren't very good against the run last year and you didn't blow me away against Richmond. So um, I think fans are probably a little wary of that. Virginia, they claim that, you know, they're confident that their, their best run defense is still ahead of them. So what kind of defense should we expect? Like, you know, is Elliott going to have his defense coordinator dial up, you know, blitzes from secondaries, from linebackers, from corners? Like, what should we expect to see from Virginia? I would label, and granted, I've only seen them for a game, but judging by practice and just from talking to the guys, I think it's a very conservative defense, right? They, they Rodzinski says it's a 4-3. Uh, it's kind of three down linemen with a stand-up edge rusher, but they're really designed to get pressure with those front four and sometimes bringing an inside backer. Um, they're not very exotic with their blitz package. Um, they don't, again, they don't want to give up big plays. So they don't take a lot of gambles of sending extra bodies. Uh, they want to get to the quarterback with four or five guys. They want to be in position to stop the run. And they want to play almost, I mean, it'd be like we were out in the yard, like deep thirds. They just want to keep everybody in front of them in the secondary. And now they've got some good athletes at safety who are able to come up and make that defense look um, not so passive. Uh, I don't want to make it sound like they're just in a prevent defense for four quarters, um, but they're not going to get crazy with the blitz calls. They want to keep everything in front of them. And, and then, you know, third down, maybe dial up some pressure with an inside backer. So you mentioned the, you know, the corners in the secondary for Virginia, uh, Illinois has got pretty good wide receiver in Isaiah Williams, pretty good when he's catching the ball, at least he's a deep threat when he catches the ball in the short, he can get really crafty and run for a first down. Do you think it's going to be uh, difficult for Virginia to prep for a guy like him? I think the defense is designed for a guy like him. The problem is, does that mean you stop him? Probably not. Um, this feels like a kind of game where Williams, a guy like Williams, could catch 10 or 12 balls, and Virginia will call it successful if it's 10 catches for 76 yards. But if it's 10 catches for 160 yards and two touchdowns, uh, Virginia probably doesn't have a chance. So, again, it's all about limiting big plays you know, okay, a seven-yard catch on third and nine is okay. A seven-yard catch on third and two, not great. So it's, it's very situational. Um, again, I, I don't think at the end of the day they're going to be staring at the box score if, if it's Virginia. Um, you know, a guy like Williams may catch a ton of balls, but when do they come? Is it red zone? They're, they're big on red zone, big on third down conversions, and not giving up the big plays. The one undisputed thing is that Virginia has one of the best quarterbacks in the ACC like Armstrong, like, do you expect him to even elevate from how he played junior year? Because last year, dude, he killed Illinois. I think he threw like 400 yards or something. It's a very different offense than last year, but you're right. I mean, he is, he is better. He is a better player. He goes through his reads and his progressions more quickly. He's more uh, comfortable with things that are unfolding in the game. Now, they're not going to ask him to throw 50 times. So I think at the end of the year, again, kind of what I just said about the stat sheet for this game, I think it's the same thing for the season. I think we're going to get to the end of the year and be like, 
man, Brennan Armstrong didn't throw for as many yards or as many touchdowns, but maybe UVA is a better team. That They're asking him to take more underneath stuff. Um, when I talked to Brennan after the Richmond game, his number one criticism of himself was he was still in last year's mindset. And there were times where he could dump the ball underneath or find somebody on a crossing route. And instead he was trying to go over the top. And that's not what they want from him. That The thing about Brandon Armstrong is that danger is always going to be there, right? If you bust a coverage, if you get beat on the outside, he's going to burn you. He's got a big arm and he's got a really good feel for seeing the whole field, but they're asking him to be, it's funny because of how good he is. They're asking him to be almost more of a game manager, right? Throw some short passes, move the chains, keep possession. Uh, don't leave that defense out there. Um, so it's a different ask of Brennan Armstrong, but he's a better player than he was last year. And, you know, we saw it in this game. He threw a 50-something touchdown pass to Lavelle Davis. He took off on a 60-something yard touchdown run. And the guy can still beat you with his arm and his legs. It's just they're asking him to do it in a slightly different way. So why don't they want to go vertical as much? Are they trying to help out the Virginia defense by keeping them off the field? Is that the reason? I, I think it's a mindset. Yeah, I think they want to have longer drives, sustained drives. You know, they're not going to pass on 80-yard uh, touchdown bombs if they're there. But I think last year there were times where it was it was forced. And because of how good Dontavian Wicks is, because of how good Keaton Thompson is, and because of how good Armstrong is, it worked right? Like they were like, okay, we're desperate, go do something. And then it worked. And everyone was like, great offense. And not that it was a bad offense, but I think this is a little bit more, hey, let's earn our way down the field, just like the defense is trying to make opponents. Let's earn it. Let's keep the ball. Let's possess it. Let's have more run pass balance. And if somebody makes a mistake, let's take advantage. Like let's, let's hit them with the 80 yard touchdown pass because of a defensive mistake, not because of a desperation, great play. Um, and again, now, I say that if they fall behind 21-3, you're going to see that old approach of air it out and go make something happen. So uh, in week one, Armstrong completed passes to seven different receivers. Granted, that's an Atlantic 10 defense, right? Kind of the same thing happened uh, to Illinois in their uh, first game against Wyoming. So how deep really, you know, is the Cavalier receiving core and how many guys can Illinois expect to see? And the offensive line too. I know they're making, you know, a lot of replacements. You know, how are they acting on that? Yeah, it's interesting. The biggest problem right now, guys, is depth. And they had a couple of drops from the receiving core. They had a fumble from Dontavian Wicks. And when I talked to Tony Elliott and Des Kitchens, he said part of it, and not making an excuse, but they said part of it was fatigue. Like those guys are playing too many snaps. Um, they've got four really great wide receivers. They need six or seven. Um, now they threw the ball to Paris Jones, the running back out of the backfield. They threw the ball to Grant Mish, the tight end. So they're trying to take some of that pressure off, but these guys are playing a ton of snaps. Same thing on the offensive line. Um, five new starters, four of them were making their first ever start in college. Um, that's rough. Now they were fine against Richmond. Illinois is like twice the size up front. How are they going to adjust now second time out? Certainly it's better for Virginia that they've got a game under their belt. In fact, I just posted an article about the, the linemen saying, hey, we're glad we got a game out there. There's no preseason in college. They're glad they got some live action, um, but there's not a lot of depth at receiver. There's not a lot of depth on the offensive line. Those guys need to both play well and also not wear down. And, and, and that's going to be tough. You know, we talked a lot this week about the Big Ten mentality of being physical. There's four guys on this team, guys, who played in the Big Ten. Uh, there's a transfer from Michigan State, a transfer from Wisconsin, a transfer from Minnesota, and a transfer from Indiana. So they know the, the mindset in the Big Ten. Um, power football, wear you down, all of that. And this team is not very deep, so that is a big concern. 
So uh, we can talk a little spread here. I believe it started at Illinois minus three and a half, went up to four and a half, and now I see it sitting at four at ESPN, but it stayed pretty much the same. Do you expect the Cavaliers to cover Illinois to cover maybe a score prediction? What are your uh, expectations for the game? Yeah, I still have probably not a great feel for this Virginia team, so it's hard. I, I do think they'll cover. I mean, I, I see that spread just from a Vegas standpoint. Usually get about two and a half, three points for being the home team. So puts this at about a one, one and a half point game in terms of the matchup. It's just hard to know. I, could I see Virginia getting completely overwhelmed on the trenches by Illinois? I absolutely could. And then I go back to last year's game and think, like, wow, well, Virginia was so far ahead. Um, it's really hard to know what you're going to get. My prediction is that Illinois wins a close game in this one, um, that Virginia is able to um, run the ball some, hold up a little more than we're expecting. But it took them a while to get their run game going against Richmond. I think that will happen again. And then they faded late because, again, they're not very deep. That's kind of what I see in this one. It's a tight ball game. Maybe Virginia hits a big play. I think they'll be okay containing Illinois, but I don't know that they'll be able to stop them from marching down the field and scoring. I don't think they'll give up chunk yardage. Um, so I think this is really close. Comes down to the end. I see it like a field goal game. The only way I'm wrong is if Illinois' defense can't control Armstrong. So that, that's really the wild card. And he's going to be the best player on the field. So that's going to be a that's a big positive for Virginia. Uh, yeah, I mean – yeah, it's what, what can Armstrong do, and then it's what can Brown do against that UVA run defense, right? If he goes for 300 yards and four scores, I don't like Virginia's chances. If they are able to bottle him up a little bit and Armstrong hits big plays, obviously that's the formula. And that's part of why, if you're Armstrong and UVA, you want to keep the football. You don't want to give Brown a ton of time to wear down your defense. Yeah, I think we both think it's going to be a pretty close game, too. Illinois fans, man, we, we go through a lot. So no one really knows what to expect. It's a home team or it's a home game. We're favored, but we're cynical. Exactly. It was hard I, I get it. I get it. Believe me, Virginia fans are often the same way, although they had many years where they just knew they were going to lose. So now they're kind of like waffling between those two mindsets. Like, are they good? Are they not good? Are they going to lose? Are they, so they, they don't quite know. But um, I think, you know, for Illinois, Brett Bielema being in his second year, that goes a, a long way, right, to establishing the culture, to establishing the roster, to having people comfortable. So um, to me, it's a very, very different game than last year's game. Doesn't mean Virginia can't win it. Um, doesn't mean really anything as far as outcome. But I think it's a very different game. I think last year's tape is not very valuable, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I think the one thing Illinois failed to do is win a big, important game when you know it's important. Last yeah. week against Indiana, it happened. So this is kind of another chance for Illinois to be like, hey, we lose a heartbreaker at Indiana, and now we get a, a Virginia team that killed us last year, but we have a chance to go, you know, two and one in our first three games. Yeah. yeah Tony yeah. Elliott mentioned, yeah, Tony Elliott mentioned that, you know, like if you're Illinois, you should be very motivated for this game because of what happened last year. And even though it's got nothing to do with Tony Elliott and very little to do really with this year's roster, like you should be motivated. And if you want this year to be different than last year, and if you're saying that year two under coach Bielema is better, this is a great game to show because you played this team last year and um, it'll be interesting. I'll, I'll be curious how both teams come out. I'll be curious if, if UVA is a little overwhelmed first time on the road, there's some things for a new head coach operationally play calling all of that, that that's a challenge on the road. So um, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. I feel like for both these teams, yeah, totally agree. All right, man. Well, that's uh, that's all we got for you. Mike Barber from the Richmond Times-Dispatch, thank you so much for coming on, man. Thanks for coming on. Thank, thanks for having me, guys. It was fun. Good luck on Saturday. See you later. Awesome. You guys, too. Enjoy it. See you.
All right, Mike Barber, Virginia Beat reporter. Uh, cool guy, knows what he's talking yeah. about, but like a lot of you know stuff I've read from Virginia, it just seems like he doesn't know the team that well. Doesn't know the team too well, but what he does know is that Brandon Armstrong is a stud, but he understands that the depth, you know, he doesn't have it. Yeah. So this Virginia team, it's gutted compared to other Bronco, Bronco Mendenhall teams. He thinks it's going to be a close game. He sounds like he's leaning towards Illinois. And it's interesting how they're changing the offense. I mean, that offense was lethal last year with Armstrong. I mean, 49 against BYU, 42 against Illinois, scoring 40 points in the ACC. I guess they just don't trust the defense. Yeah. And I guess Armstrong's that good where he can adjust as a quarterback. Well, if you couldn't tell, you know, he didn't know many of the offensive players or what they could do. At running back, that Paris Jones go for 104 yards. He was one yard behind Armstrong for the Cavalier lead last week. Didn't have a ton to say, say uh, about Paris Jones. Then at the receiving core, he mentioned Davis and Wicks. Didn't even talk about their second leading receiver. So it, it really seems like they just haven't seen enough out of their, you know, key skill position guys yeah. to get a real read on them. And, and, you know, like he said, the defense was bad last year and you don't know how much better it can be this year. Yeah, and Richmond, that's not a good game to compare. Like Illinois, we beat Wyoming by 32. You know, that's a pretty good score. But did that really showcase anything for Indiana? It's the same thing with them with Richmond. Yeah. I mean, coming into this week, it's power five versus power five. And Illinois has already played the power five school. You know, they've played Wyoming. They're at home. And it seems like Chase Brown is going to have a very, very favorable matchup this weekend. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, you know, I mean, we've talked about it. When Illinois was, quote, unquote, preparing for Wyoming, they kind of prepared for Indiana at the same time. And we saw that. They had a bunch of yards and their defensive playing game plan was good against Indiana. They just didn't execute. So you wonder if Virginia's in the same boat, but like you said, it benefits Illinois that they played a power five team in Indiana. They went and played on the road and you hit on it. Chase Brown's looking at the field day. Yeah. He's going to have a field day, but it's going to be important for DeVito to make the good reads, yeah. to make the deep passes and Isaiah Williams, you know, in that wide receiver court, you know, the drops probably have to go away because if this Illinois team, can keep Armstrong off the field and you can just run for six yards a pop against this Virginia defense. I mean, Illinois could probably win this game by a couple scores. Armstrong reminds me of a polished Adrian Martinez. You think so? You got to keep him off the field because he can beat you with your legs. He can beat you over the middle and he can beat you with deep balls to the receiver. So he can really do it all. Like you said, there's no doubt in my mind, Armstrong is going to be the best player on the field offensively, at least. So if you keep him off the field, whether it be long runs from Chase Brown, our receiving course, cleaning up and catching balls. You know, when we were moving the ball against Indiana, it wasn't huge plays, right? It was more seven, eight, 12 yard passes a little bit kind of reminded me of a Mike Leach air raid offense for a little bit. I don't want to go too far to describe it as that, but that's kind of how we did it, right? Runs and short passes that killed them. That's the key to success against Virginia because keeping Armstrong off the field is the way to win the game. Yeah. And you're going to keep him off, but Chase Brown probably can't get 36 carries again. No, I think they're going to make a point probably capping it off at 25 carries i like that tom allen sort of said we really prepped for chase brown and he still had 200 yards yeah. or, or just about so i do like that but another thing that you know has got to be polished is the throwing game like devito was good last week i think he had a good game interceptions can't happen no overthrown balls can't happen because the second you turn it over that's when armstrong is just mm, licking his lips I don't know what the right word is to describe DeVito's, you know, performance. It seemed like he like lost concentration in the fourth quarter. A little bit. It wasn't as clean. Like, I don't think he was making the good decisions. Yeah. The one thing I always said with DeVito 
is that he doesn't force those weird passes. Like, he didn't really throw interceptions at Syracuse. But in that fourth quarter, I mean, he was really missing those targets. And that was a costly interception. It was just really weird because he'd be driving and, you know, having such a good drive for four or five plays. But then, you know, you see your guy running across the middle. It's a big moment. It's a night game on the road. It's almost just like he got ahead of himself and either, yeah. you know, overthrew Williams for an incompletion once. I think he missed Hightower on the side once. And then, of course, the interception where he threw behind Isaiah. Now, it wasn't the worst pass in the world. Probably yeah. would have been an incompletion 75% of the time. But, you know, stuff like that's going to happen. He didn't throw an interception the whole rest of the game. And then fumbling, too. Illinois fumbled the ball yeah. once last week and had a turnover. So a, a key to this game, I think, on both sides is not turning the ball over because last week Armstrong had an interception and one, uh, one of their receivers fumbled and lost one, too. So uh, turnovers are going to be a huge key. Yeah, fumbles are big. Like, if this team, he thinks Virginia is going to play conservative defense, not really going to dial up a lot of pressure. Sound like Indiana, bend but don't break, you know, give up a lot of yards and then get really good in the end zone. But I could see this team like Indiana probably has a better defensive line than Virginia. Sounds like Virginia is rebuilding a lot. So it's possible that Illinois just runs out the clock. Yeah. You know, Reggie Love gets, you know, 15 productive carries. Mm-hmm. You know, Chase Brown gets 25. Maybe DeVito, a little bit of leg action. You know, that really sparked the offense last week at times. I was going to say, we saw DeVito with the huge scramble on a third and long last week for a first down. So I think you're right. No, it's weird because it's not like Virginia is looking at Indiana and be like, hey, they weren't super, you know, bold on defense last year and they are last week and they won. No, like Virginia's doing this because that's the strength of their defense, right? Yeah. Like they're just a little bit conservative. I'd argue that's a benefit for Illinois. Oh, they yeah. saw it last week in Indiana even though they're, you know, a ton of transfers similar to Virginia, maybe more experienced on defense than Virginia, maybe better. So I really like that Illinois saw that last week and, you know, help them prepare for a better team in Virginia this week, but they're at home and they've seen it before. They're at home. Brett want, needs this game. I mean, to go he one does. and two, that would be disastrous for Illinois. The bowl game's probably out the picture. Yeah. Because looking back, Indiana, probably going to be like a five and seven team. And Virginia's in the ACC. Like, yeah, they might compete for the Coastal, but with a gutted defense, replacing a bunch of offensive linemen, lack of depth at the wide receiver position, this is a game where you have to roll up your sleeves and win. Yeah, they have a great quarterback, but that's one guy. Yeah, no, I think that, you know, we didn't talk about it on the podcast. We've talked a ton about it on the radio this past week. Indiana was disappointing. I was at the game. They broke my heart, you know, just especially because I was there. Uh, It was a tough game to watch because there were so many opportunities to win. But if you turn around and beat a probably better Virginia team at home to go two and one for your first three games, yeah. the fan base is back. Yeah, it's going to be good. Uh, you got a score prediction? What do you think? Yeah, I was just thinking about that. I think I am going to take Illinois. I um, you know, I drank the Kool-Aid a couple of weeks ago, and I've continued to sip on it. I think I'm going to take 31-27, Illinois. 31-27. I'm going to go 28-25. Yeah. I like it. Something I mean, like that. it's going to be close. I agree with Mike. Uh, I think Mike said Illinois by three points or something like that. Yeah. So I think we're all pretty much in the same boat here. But we could see them lose. We, oh, the we Indi- absolutely could. If Indi- Illinois decides to shoot themselves in the foot again, this yeah. could be 38 to 21 or the, 17. It's so similar to Indiana. Like, you know, Indiana's got the good quarterback that can throw the deep ball. Well, Armstrong can too. So Chase Brown fumbles, you know, wide receivers are dropping passes. You know, it's going to be Indiana round two. I'm not a betting man in college football, but I'm guessing that people are going to see the over and take it. 
Yeah. There's going to be points scored. And if there's not points scored, that's a problem. That, that, that's where, you know, your concerns come in. But I think it's going to be a relatively high-scoring game. See if Walters, after seeing him last year and getting an improved defense, can have a better plan for Armstrong. It's going to be a real test. It's mm -hmm. the biggest game in Bielema's uh, tenure so far. Yeah, probably. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, that'll do it for today's episode. We will be back for a recap pod after Illinois' game against Virginia. For Carson and Josh, this has been the Daily Illini Sports Podcast.